Hello and welcome to this installment of CSO Executive Sessions Australia. I'm Ed Kennedy, the editor of CSO Australia, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Charles Gilman, CISO for SuperChoice. Charles, welcome. Thank you, Ed. Uh, thank you for having me. To start, can you tell us a little about your role? Sure. Uh, I'm the CISO for a fintech. And uh, I've been in security for nearly 20 years. So I started out in consulting and pen testing um, and then moved across into architecture and then leadership roles. Uh, I've been a CISO now for six years, but it feels way longer. What can you share with us about your organization's current cybersecurity goals? Uh, like all organizations, our, our cyber goals are all around uh, cyber resiliency and continuously uh, uplifting our capabilities and our controls. 2023 is, of course, set to be a momentous year for cybersecurity in Australia. Not only have new laws recently been introduced surrounding cyber fines and compliance, but more reform has also been flagged as spurred on by numerous high-profile incidents in 2022. In looking back at last year, and at 12 months that had some of the most eventful occurrences in all of Australia's cyber history, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, maybe I'm a bit fatalistic, but I can't say that I'm really surprised. I, f I feel like Australia's really flown under the radar for attackers for a long time. If we look at uh, the big incidents that have been happening around the world uh, over the last few years, uh, but that certainly doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Australia is being targeted, uh, and that's reflected in the incidents. Um, as we know, we've had latitude in the last week, um, and we're seeing more more data breaches, and I'm certainly seeing it in the threat intelligence that I receive. Similarly, how do you see 2023 shaping up for cybersecurity? I think this is going to be a really big year. I think it's going to be both scary and amazing. Uh, and, and the reason for that is... AI has really hit the mainstream, and I think that the attackers are going to start weaponizing AI faster than many organizations can defend against it, um, and certainly faster than we're going to be able to incorporate that technology into our defender tools, tool sets. Charles, it's appreciated you have a particular interest in the dialogue and debate surrounding chatbots. It's fair to say among the cybersecurity community, there's a recognition right now that there's unquestionably both a lot of pros and cons surrounding such tech. We shall indeed have time to get to the positive aspects, but at the outset of this line of questioning, let's look to identify and define the dangers. What dangers can chatbots pose to organizations in their effort to maintain cybersecurity? Yes, I do have an interest in ML and uh, AI. Uh, and AI is a lot more than just chatbots. Um, what we're seeing now is ChatGPT is the mainstream face of AI. But current AI is really around generative AI. So whether that's generating chats, code, video, or art. And I think that generative AI is going to start to be weaponized. If we look at phishing, uh, one of the ways that we spot phishing is through... Um, you know, grammatical errors or spelling errors, the attackers can start using that to start generating phishing in the same tone and voice of someone you know by taking input, uh, someone's email that they've already written or maybe an article that they've posted, feeding that into, say, ChatGPT, 
and then generating a phishing email in, in the same way that that person speaks. So I think that that is going to to really make spotting phishing um, a lot harder. Um, we can start to look at things like automation. You know, can we start? Will the attackers uh, once we get to this multimodal generative AI? So the multimodal is where it can accept um, different modes of interaction, not just text, but it can actually analyze images. So could we start seeing um, generative AI start to solve captures, for example, and get around um, some of those web controls and start brute forcing applications? Um, certainly with social engineering, when you start adding uh, that generative AI to deep fakes, so you're now talking in the same tone as, as the person, that you're trying to impersonate and then using that deep fake technology, you can start uh, coming up with some really great social engineering attacks. And we've seen this recently uh, where someone was able to actually bypass the ATO's voice uh, verification uh, using some of that uh, deep fake technology. Um, I've also seen a case recently where uh, generative AI was used to create videos and post them on YouTube and then links were put in the videos and the video comments uh, to malicious sites. And I thought, I think it's also going to uplift the skills of the attackers. Um, it, it's going to give them access to information and technology that they didn't have before. So where they didn't necessarily have the skills or all that, the, the low end of the, uh, the attacker food chain, if you like, um, it's going to help boost them up. And, and we're seeing that now where uh, the attackers are starting to write uh, exploit code uh, using uh, ChatGPT, for example. Um, I even saw a really good example where they'd written polymorphic malware by calling ChatGPT to generate the next version of that that malware as it propagated. Uh, so, so very clever techniques. Um, it can start writing shell code, reverse shells, and it can potentially start discovering vulnerabilities in code. So helping the attackers to find cross-site scripting or SQL injection. Um, the, the, like I said, the attackers have been using this since December last year. That was kind of the first recorded case. And I think they're just going to get better at it. And I think what really scares me long-term is the potential rise of malevolent AI. So right now, uh, ChatGPT and a lot of these other generative AIs have got uh, uh, security inbuilt into them to not uh, propagate biases or misinformation. Um, what I think we'll start to see is the rise of potentially malevolent AI built by nation states or, or the bad guys, the attackers, and that doesn't have those same sort of guardrails. So if we, if we look back um, in the last couple of weeks, um, Stanford University actually used um, GPT to train Meta's Llama, so uh, Meta being Facebook's parent company, um, open sourced their large language model Llama, and the researchers at Stanford University used ChatGPT to train Llama and created a new AI called Alpaca. And with Alpaca, you can now download that to your computer and run it on your own on your own laptop um, and get a little cut down version of ChatGPT if you like. And attackers and nation states and bad guys can start taking that AI and training it on bad data. So I think uh, what scares me in the long term is how well the bad guys and the attackers are going to start uh, leveraging this technology. 
What are some ways we can respond to the existing and emerging dangers you've just outlined? I'm not sure that we can easily. Uh, it's going to take a while. Um, attackers aren't bound by the same uh, sorts of things that, that businesses are bound by and you know uh, big companies are bound by. But we can, we can start using AI um, as a force multiplier and we can start incorporating that into security tools. And I think we're going to start seeing that very soon. But uh, in my dystopian uh, vision of the future, uh, it'll be a Skynet type scenario where it's the good guys AI versus the bad guys AI. And I, and I think that will be uh, a very interesting future. If we look at it from the other side of the coin now and the positive aspects, what benefits do you feel chatbots can bring in the quest to maintain cybersecurity? I think uh, generative AI can actually do a lot uh, to help defenders. It can certainly help us bridge that cyber skill shortage where when we pair generative AI um, with a human, we can actually uplift their skills and maybe bridge some of those skills gaps. So if we take the example of a SOC analyst, you know, we've got a level one analyst. If we compare a level one analyst with a generative AI, maybe they can start operating as a level two and a level two could operate as a level three. So we can certainly uh, use it to uh, uplift those skills and bridge those gaps. Um, I, I think it could also be used, um, again, pairing uh, with a human in penetration testing. Uh, I've seen um, an article published recently where researchers we're using uh, ChatGPT to help them solve a capture the flag. Um, and we can also use it to detect spam and phishing now. While historically we've had supposed uh, machine learning and AI to do this before, maybe this next generation of generative AI will be able to, to spot that spam and phishing uh, a little bit better than the previous generations of machine learning. I also think um, generative AI is, is well suited to static code analysis. I've already seen people feeding in code with security bugs and uh, ChatGPT, for example, is able to go and identify the vulnerabilities in that code, which I think is pretty exciting. Um, another interesting thing that I've seen recently is, uh, which I thought was wonderful uh, from a governance risk and compliance point of view, lots of us have to complete security surveys um, as part of third-party assurance. And there is a company now helping people complete those th surveys using uh, ChatGPT and generative AI to fill in the answers for them. Um, and then also, in, along with governance risk and compliance, some organizations uh, such as myself, uh, my organization, have to comply to multiple frameworks. So I've seen now where companies um, like Six Clicks, for example, are creating crosswalks of frameworks using generative AI. Uh, we're, we're seeing security policies written by generative AI. Um, and then we're seeing security policies that actually meet the control objectives of two different frameworks written by generative AI. So I think that's really interesting as, as well. Um, I'm seeing um, generative AI being used as a plugin into uh, SOAR and incident response tools. Uh, and then I think we really got to look at the case of Microsoft. So uh, Microsoft has owns GitHub and GitHub has got Copilot for helping uh, code. So it's a programming assistant um, that's been shown to reduce the coding effort by 20%. 
And last week, uh, Microsoft released um, or announced Copilot for Office, which is just absolutely mind-blowing uh, in, ha- in how it can actually help people achieve common tasks like generating graphs and insights from financial data, et cetera. What I'm kind of predicting may happen is Microsoft will continue with this Copilot journey and start having um, Copilot for Azure AD um, and M365, where we've got so many security dashboards, it would be great to describe a task in, in natural language and then get the AI to go and execute those tasks against those um, various dashboards or against the Graph API, uh, for example. And, and I would not be surprised if they start to release um, Copilot for Sentinel, for example. Um, so yes, I, I, I believe that um, AI will start to be used in ways that we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, and OpenAI has now just released plugins for chat, chat GPT and testing. Um, and those chat, those plugins can start interacting with uh, the internet. I saw a demo where it was interacting with email. So it was actually able to go and uh, go through someone's Gmail. Um, I think when the iPhone was released, we couldn't imagine the breadth and depth of the App Store as it is today. And I think that's going to be a similar case for the chat GPT plugins. So like I said, I think it's going to start to be used in ways that we haven't even conceived yet. I think it's important also to get your thoughts on the nuance in this area. As we've discussed, chatbots can be used, and it's expected will be used in future, in order to pursue huge breaches as well as maintain strong defences against threats. But it's also important we underscore the tech continues to evolve, and is far from perfect in what it can be used for, or better or worse. What current limitations do you see with chatbots? Well, I think the big issue is accuracy. And uh, generative AI suffers hallucinations. Uh, certainly in my testing, I'm saying about 20% of what it generates is, is that inaccurate. I think we're also going to see slow adoption by some sectors, um, especially where there are concerns around intellectual property rights or the privacy of the data being submitted to AI. I saw the PwC um, announce that they've warned staff um, about using it to actually uh, do their day job. Um, And I actually look at it uh, not as an authoritative source or taking what the output is um, as as gospel, if you like. Uh, I look at it as the output of a graduate in a corporate setting, uh, for example, where the output is... uh, adequate and probably good, but you'll need to fact check it, you'll need to validate it, um, and you'll need to review it. So um, I would take it no differently, the output of it, than um, some of the advice that you might get on Reddit or some other corner of the internet. So always with a with a little bit of caution. As the sophistication of both threat actor capabilities and cybersecurity defenses evolve, in many ways, the utilization of human beings in threat and protect processes will diminish. But it's also, of course, the case as the complexity of technology grows and also branches off into new areas, so too will there be a need for new skills to be brought to the fore by human beings where they are involved in the process in order to initiate and administer such tech. Accordingly, What new roles and skills do you envision will be required in order to meet the demands of emerging tech? Look, in the short term, I don't see that the current generative AI will replace security skills, but there is definitely the opportunity to to augment those skills. If we go back to that 
um, example I gave about GitHub Copilot, you know, increasing uh, developer productivity by 25%, you know, maybe we could see similar sort of gains in, in security as well. But in terms of new skills, uh, I think the short-term skill will be prompt engineering, where the quality of the prompts provided to the generative AI dramatically increases the effectiveness of the output. Uh, and something that I found when I was using it was uh, I, I was not getting the best results out of it because I actually wasn't asking intelligent enough questions. And I've seen some of those prompts out there that just ask the most amazing questions and detailed and get incredible responses back. What insights would you share specifically with cybersecurity professionals keen to learn more from another professional in their field? I think there's two aspects to this. Um, it's certainly uh, get plugged into the security community um, through you know joining groups on LinkedIn or professional associations like Acer or Osaka, um, and tap into those insights of other professionals through meetups and conferences. Um, but for me, the most important thing was uh, getting a mentor. So I've, either, I've always had a mentor of sorts, um, whether that was a formal or informal uh, mentor. Um, but I think learning from others in our industry and sharing ideas is really important. And so as you rise up uh, in, in your skill levels, I think you should also look at becoming a mentor because uh, having a mentee uh, helps you to think about the problem slightly differently. So yes, uh, certainly mentoring and coaching, I think, is, is a really big one. And with that last question, that brings us to the end of this conversation. Thank you to those in our audience. And Charles, a special thanks to you for taking part in this chat. Thank you, Ed. Um, it was a real pleasure. Just as this has been a great conversation here, please keep an eye out for another instalment soon of CSO Executive Sessions Australia. 